Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hello out there, and welcome to another episode of Roll to Cast. Um, this is uh, another of our uh, between season series uh, where we talk a little bit more about role playing in general, um, and you get to know us as players and uh, and as DMs. Uh, more importantly, to this episode. So um, for this one, it is myself, Phil, and I'm joined by Chris. Hi. Um- Uncle Bob in um, the <laughs> most recent season is what you know me as. Yes. Uh, what's your actual name? <laughs> it's Chris. It's Chris, yes. yes. It's so, yes, Chris, storyteller for season two coming up and uh, Uncle Bob in season one. I was uh, a referee or storyteller for season one going mainstream and I'll be playing Vincent Masters in the upcoming season as well. Uh, and why have we got together this, this week? So, we are chatting all things uh, dungeon mastering, storytelling, refereeing, uh, anything to do with leading the table um, yeah. and in a role-playing game setting, giving some hints, giving some tricks, um, looking behind the DM's uh, screen and, uh, yeah, just having a chat about what it's like to DM uh, for the first time, um, DMing for a role-playing um, podcast, how it's different to regular DMing, Um how to run that sort of podcast uh, and also a bit of a chat about what's to come in season two. Um, yeah. We're going to not do any spoilers, but you'll get an extra like taste of what's going on. That's right. From, from the, the DMs perspective, we, we just hope that, that um, some people out there might, might find it useful if they're DMs themselves or um, uh, thinking about uh, running a game or making a podcast that, that this might be a valuable resource for them. Yeah. We've had a few people who, not um who aren't role players listen in and say hi um so this might might give you the confidence or the inspiration to uh, run your own game as well yeah i mean I, I, just off the bat i would say if you're thinking about doing it it's incredibly fun uh, and there is nothing quite 
like it. Um, and there's probably a game out there for you. There are loads of different tabletop role-playing games. It's not just Dungeons and Dragons. Um, we've we've already, you know, we're showing you two of them uh, in our first two seasons. Um, and 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 really, uh, I you won't regret it. So what we're going to do is we're going to chat uh, first and foremost about um, some advice for new DMs. Um, mm. Phil, how long have you been DMing for? Uh, so I've been DMing probably about 10 years, I would say. Um, started with 4th Ed um, in my kind of uh, mid-20s. Uh, sorry, mid mid early twenties, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. and then and then graduated through through a few other games like uh, Dark Heresy, um, and uh, into Cyberpunk now and uh, now I'm <laughs> learning a bit of a library of games. What about yourself? I started when I was eight, so it's been twenty years now. It's pretty impressive. Um, yeah, I've been DMing for a long time. I started with Second Edition Advance, um, kind of a hacked together version of that from uh, what me and some uh, friends and family could piece together from the video game. Like we kind of reverse engineered it, and then I've been um, DMing with things like um, Dark Heresy. Um, what did we play? Uh, Adeptus Evangelion, which was a really fun hack version oh, wow. of Dark Heresy. Yeah. Um, where you play as Evangelion characters, um, all sorts of stuff. Exalted, Vampire. Yeah, played Exalted Rim. as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, cool. So we, we between us, we, we have about 30, 30 years experience. That's crazy. Shit. I didn't even know that. It's <laughs> <laughs> kind of surprising even to me. Um, yeah. I, I guess um, my first thing I would say to, to, to new DMs, if you're thinking about it, is 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 to do it. Just just get in there. I think people are really scared about about doing it and what it will entail. And a lot of people, the the thing that you hear is that oh, I'm stuck as the as the forever DM because no one else wants to do it, right? And people are, are kind of reluctant. But it has its own uh, appeal, and it's not like a. I, I might I might I might be wrong about this where you're concerned, Chris. It, it's not like a sadistic appeal where you have the. Uh, you have the reins and the power over everyone. Um, you get to really serve up something really enjoyable for all your friends. And I think that's that's um, really special. Yeah, totally. It's uh, I make jokes about it in like the darker games about like how it's like you're an you're a evil person like running a game. It's designed to be cruel. Um, really, you're all there usually to pl- have a fun time and uh, a DM's job is to be the facilitator of that fun. Um, If uh, you're the person who likes organizing board game nights um, or likes to try that sort of thing out, um, then DMing's for you. Yeah. Um, It's it's about facilitating fun. Um, It's not about wrestling with the other players and trying to beat them or, um, at least for me, uh, it's not about that. It's about facilitating fun faci- and and fun in whatever way you as a collective group of people want to have fun. Yeah, I mean, you're well. included in that as DM. You have to have fun too. Yeah, um, yeah, I, absolutely. I think some people do um, forget that. Yeah, and uh, if you are part of a group where, or if you're a DM, I don't know, this is just some good DM advice. If you're a DM who uh, who's struggling to to shake the, like, your forever DM, um, be a DM who has lots of fun um, in the role. And uh, I promise you someone will go, oh, hey, you're having fun. <laughs> I, I want to do that. that. <laughs> um, yeah, to, to some more concrete advice, um, 
I would say um, it's very important that you set expectations around the table first before you start role playing. Um, it, it can actually be quite a vulnerable space when you start getting in character and, and making decisions in character and, um, you know, anything can happen in some ways. So if you uh, make sure you sit, sit down with the people you, you're going to be having a good friendly time with and make sure everyone's on the same page about what a good friendly time means, what are hard limits for people, what people kind of fun people are expecting to have. And that way with it all out of the way, you don't have to negotiate as you go and everyone knows what sort of thing they're doing. And it doesn't have to be heavy stuff. I'm talking about if, if, you know, one person sits down at your table and they think, you know, they want a real espionage uh, cloak and dagger game and everyone else wants, you know, uh, swashbuckling adventure you're gonna have you're gonna have some conflict there so just uh, get everyone together first and work it out between you what it is that you want my other piece of advice for new dms is don't uh don't go and watch uh really experienced dms and try and copy what they're doing um they're they're doing they're at a really high level um certainly don't don't watch um, it with the players that you're playing with because their oh, expectations of you will be a lot higher than what you're capable of delivering. You're really setting yourself um, up there. Yeah. There are people who have been DMing who do like, you know, um, role, uh, what's, what's the big one? Critical role. Critical role, yeah. Um, you know, these, these people have been running games for a long time. Um, the people at Critical Role are all voice actors. Um, That's right. You know, yeah. there, are, there are groups like Geek and Sundry and all, all these sorts of um, commercial things. Um, and this will lead us into the next topic. Yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah. Um, watching people play D&D who are actors is less about them actually playing D&D. And we speak from experience. Um, they are performing in some way what a game of role-playing is like. Yeah. Um, there is a performative element that um, unless you're like aware of, um, you will assume is part of the game. And if you're, you're a first-time player and there have been, you know, threads on Reddit and all this sort of stuff about how the game isn't working the way it's supposed to in, in the movie, in, you know, in the TV show version of D&D, effectively. Yeah. And don't, uh, don't watch that stuff. Don't, just, just go don't for fall it. into that trap, fun. yeah. Uh, I, I don't think it's, it's, it's right to say there's nothing to learn from those things, but you oh, will... Oh, sorry, no, yeah, you don't, will, don't do that. You will probably, if you're just getting started, you probably give yourself... A sort of a, a bum steer by doing that. It's something to look at later on in your career once you've found your groove um, and you have a bit more of an understanding about what what really happens around a table and what is, uh, you know, for a show. Yeah, and for some DMs, they'll stick with a bunch of players forever and they won't play with anyone else. For others, they'll swap from table to table to table. So your mileage may vary. Start simple. With Start, many things, yeah. You know, uh, mm. And that, what what is the difference between... Um, DMing around a casual table and DMing for uh, a podcast or a recording. What do you think is the so, core difference? So I've been listening to quite a few. Um, I'm, other than being involved in one, I've been listening to quite a few as part of research um, for season two, um, the Vampire the Masquerade season of Rottercast. I've been watching some DMs and listening to some DMs who one in particular that I'm thinking of that I won't name, um, but <laughs> the DM is really mean. Um, he He's really um, mean and he's kind of mean-spirited and, like, he um, is working actively, seems to be working against the players. Um, when it, actually he's not, um, it's a performance and he's acting that way. 
Um, so just as like a thing, DMing for performance is you're you're in some ways performing to an audience what it's like for the players in the room, particularly in in podcasting. Um, I might create a scene in Vampire that's really sinister, but I also need to convey that to an audience. Um, so my performance like energy has to be quite high and I have to describe it in a way that is is a, like akin to that, like the dread they're feeling as I describe these things and I have personal investment in their characters. I need to convey that in my tone of voice um, to, to you as the listener. Yeah, I think there's definitely a good point there about about kind of a performance energy. Um, there's when you sit around for sort of casual fun. Yeah, as a DM, you, it takes effort and you need to do work. Um, and, and you know, you, you, sp- you spend energy to, to set the scene for people, but it doesn't call for as consistent an energy and a consi- like a cleanness of description that recording does. Because those slip-ups are like, they don't, they don't matter on a casual table. If you slip something up or you miss something or you feel a bit flat, but it, it's glaringly obvious in a recording when things like that happen and they don't work. Totally. Um, Sean, who's editing season two, sent me a message saying, hey, you said, th- like you phrased a sentence in a way uh, where you put the mistake in the sentence. Um, and I can't edit around that. Yeah. So the, mis- the mistake is now in the episode. And I'm like, it's, it, and he was like, it's a small mistake. It's not going to be a big thing, but it's not as clean as it could be. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I had to be mindful, and I wasn't in this instance, of how I phrased um, my mistakes and how I corrected myself. Yeah, it's, it's a funny old thing. Yeah, the, dem- the demands are a little, a little more stringent. So you're sort of walking a bit more of a high wire. But, but I'd say conversely, um, you're, if you're recording, um, hopefully, presumably, you've got a really good crew of people together who really, the same as UDM, want to really make something special and, and want to put a lot into it such that your players are going to bring back a lot of that energy and engagement that you might have to work a bit harder to get from a casual table. So, you know, a casual table, you might someone who, who, who doesn't care as much or, or, or hasn't read the rules or it's just, they're preoccupied that week. You know, they, they just, for whatever reason, and not as judgment on, on this fictitious person, but they just, for, for whatever reason, they're, they're sitting back and they're not bringing it. And that's fine on a casual table. Um, and you might have to work a bit harder to get that out of them. But if if you are prepared as a podcasting group, a recording group, the players are going are, are gonna to do half the work for you. And you're gonna, you can trust them, hopefully. I know I can trust you guys here. You can trust mm. them to pick up. If, if you let it slip a bit, they're going to pick it up for you. And they're going to run with the things that you put out for them because you know you have a common purpose which is to make a really good show so you don't have to worry too much about people derailing things or just not bothering to engage when you put out an offer for them it's a it's like um the difference between um playing guitar with friends in um a a garage in a car hole um that's what i call it a car (laughs) hole um and and playing with those same people on a stage in front of like you know, 200 people or 100 yeah. people at a bar. Like, Any amount of people, really. 
Yeah. 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 You're you're performing. Um, the last thing, or maybe not the last thing, but definitely one of the big things is knowing what sort of performance you're making. Mm. Um, we actually had a long chat about this um, before we started recording. Um, maybe this is, it's not too much inside of baseball. Um, <laughs> we were discussing whether we would leave in the mistakes, whether we would um, even have sound effects or music. Um, yeah. Whether it was going to be super casual uh, and we were going to be like a straight comedy podcast or whether we would um, try and go for like super high like production values with like original music and like all of this different stuff. We went pretty much towards the high production value. Yeah. Um, Vampire the Masquerade has like, I think, 20 original songs for it. Is it 20 now? Um, wow. Yeah, it's it's huge. Um, I can have a quick look, actually. There's a lot. That's um, incredible. Our, our musician is amazing and and big a big, big love. Big um, love to Paul to, Goodman, to yeah. Mr. Paul Goodman. Um, he has got... Hmm. And that's that's something in your toolbox that you don't always have as a casual DM, which some people do use background music and there are apps and stuff that can do background music that's a bit more targeted for you. But being able to edit after the fact or edit around things um, is a big boon. <laughs> it can really yes. help you tidy things up and clean things up. We did... Yeah retain some of our kind of comedy trappings um we like to leave in kind of fun asides and stuff that keep people in mind that that it's not scripted we are people around a table having fun as well because you you don't want to alienate them completely by making it a radio play they they want to feel like they are in the room at the table to a certain degree as well that's right that's right if it was a radio play the plot would be uh way more concise yeah, for sure. Bob, there would be a lot Bob less digressions. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, and that's an important thing as well, um, is you're not writing a radio play. Uh, if you want to write a radio play, I encourage you to. Um, it's a bit of I've a lost medium in- now, I think. I, I've just had two of my uh, two of my kids, I work with kids, um, in, in make two new radio plays, which is fantastic. That's awesome. Um, they're, they're really cool, um, really fun. Yeah. Um, Really, yeah, I one guess of them is super dark. I've I've really day. enjoyed listening to radio plays like earlier in my life, uh, and I guess I was trying to re- recreate some of that. W- one story that my dad told me that's really stuck with me is um, he he used to stay up late at night, head under the covers, and he would do that with his with the radio, listening to Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Oh my um, god, really? Yeah, that's yeah. When it was so first on the radio. Cool. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Uh, and that's so cool. Uh, and 
I guess you could do that now with, with podcasts, but that's that kind of like, you know, that, that feel of, of having this dedicated audio story that you can just sort of close your eyes and, and disappear into and just let your imagination do the work. Um, I think it's a, it's a little bit lost. And I think that was my aim to a little bit when I was pushing for a higher production value on, on the show mm. is to, to, to reclaim some of that kind of lost art of the radio play. If you're listening right now, maybe you'll be like uh, Phil's dad and you'll tell your kids about that. <laughs> that, that <laughs> Listen to Roll to Cast past my bedtime. <laughs> that let would me, be amazing. Let me tell you the story of Cassie and how she <laughs> raided. Uh, I, I'm not sure we're on the same level as Hitchhiker's Guide, but uh, we can oh, dream. Oh, that attitude. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, we're talking um, about writing yeah. writing a radio play. So, um, yeah. there there is writing involved in, in putting yes. these campaigns together. Um, and uh, if you listen to the last episode of Roll to Cast, where we, we kind of like did a, 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 a post-season kind of breakdown of the show and had a little chat about it, um, we talked a little bit about how having a defined beginning and end because we're doing a, a campaign for recording uh, alters the way you, you write and prepare. Do you want to talk about how you prepared and how you wrote, Phil? Sure, yeah. So, um, I I actually started with the characters that you guys brought me. Um, I was pretty unsure about what kind of story I wanted to tell until I had those. When you brought me those characters, it gave me a bit of a key into into what kind of story we might tell and, and where we might begin um and for me um cassie glass came out as being like a real kind of focal point of the group she's this very idealistic person with a lot of dynamism and um uh, no aspersions on the other two characters but they felt a little bit more like supporting characters to to a degree totally totally i um, think they were um, yeah and and i think that's okay you can't you can't do that as effectively around a casual table because everyone wants to have the same amount of fun and and focus. Um, but f- for you guys, I knew that wouldn't be a problem and that you you would be happy for one of the characters to kind of get the focus and be the driver and, and you'd be okay with supporting that. So that's the first thing that's different about preparing was that I, I allowed one of the characters to be the main character and then focus the story around her. And then what, what, what was she, what's her things? That's music. And 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 sending that out to as many people as possible. And from there, I came up with this idea that they would try and break into a media corporation and and put their their message out over their airwaves. And that felt like a good kind of subversive punk goal. And from there, I kind of reverse engineered it into the three act structure that I, came, I finished with. So the first act was about introducing the characters and what they're about and giving them stuff to do together. The second act was to do with giving characters and the players space to follow their own um, tasks, explore their motivations and have their own kind of moments separate from each other um, now that they're introduced. And, and then the third act was the idea of bringing it all back together for a, a explosive climactic finale with them all together if they were still alive. Um, so, yeah, it was quite a multi-step process um, and it's definitely different how I would prepare. Uh, I work a fair amount from modules in my casual play. Um, I, I don't have a lot of time having a kid at home um, and so having pre-prepared modules that I can then kind of spin off from works a lot lot better for me. Um 
but they're similar in that they have contained stories in them and that's what i really like about about writing if you if you write for a for any kind of role playing game you will benefit from being able to have sort of a a defined structure and and chapters and and places where you can close it off because it gives the players something to hook onto as well and and gives them waypoints to understand where they are for me writing for season two and i've got to be careful about how i phrase this because i don't yeah. want to give too much away i can talk about everything <laughs> you can't talk about yeah. anything at all <laughs> that's right um well actually before that you talked about how you kind of work in your casual play um using modules i'm i'm the opposite i don't use modules at all yeah um in fact um depending on the game i will prepare in vastly different ways yeah. um so for Dungeons and Dragons, I, I um, plan around combat because it's a combat-heavy game. That's it's that's how it runs. Um, for uh, a game like Vampire, um, I tend to work around character drive and character intention. What do the characters want? Um, and so, like you, I I found out what each character wanted, and then I circled that around a central narrative that linked into all of those desires. Um, I'm trying to speak... I'm really vague, yeah. I'm afraid, um, without giving too much away. But um, in, a, in a very structural sense, you 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 put together some sort of episodes that you thought would, would hit and they they all were kind of thematically linked. That's, that's kind of your that's, general that's approach. That's true. Actually, something that I can speak to and something that... Um, uh, listeners, this this won't spoil it, I don't think, um, was I had a look at each player's character sheet and looked at what skills they have and created uh, challenges with those skills that needed to be used. That's a really um, good point. That's a that's a really good point because so, it's very yeah. frustrating for players to, to, to just feel that they've skilled wrong. And, and it's really out of their hands. If you, if they put skills together on a certain set of things, and you face them with a bunch of challenges that 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 don't use any of those skills, it's very unsatisfying for people to play. And that was something that led me down the the way to create the game. Is that? And I won't talk too. I can't talk too much about what skills were selected because even that will give like yeah, spoilers it will away. a bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but. Uh, there were there were a cluster of skills that were selected by the players, and so the game took that edge. It took on those qualities. Mm. That's how I create games. I think it's a solid way of making games in general, it, and that's that's what I was talking about when I was talking about um, sitting down with your players around your casual table yes. and saying, yes. "What is it that we want to play?" Because um, if you don't know that, then you're not going to have a satisfying game, and and this is the more sophisticated version of that. It's like, well, mechanically, what are the skills that they want to use and they're interested in? Because they, would, they, they wouldn't have put them down on the character sheet if they weren't interested in them. And, and in a narrative sense, what are the themes and desires and things they want to hit? And it's not, it, it's not outlandish to look at those things. Those should, that should be your ambition when you're being a storyteller is to, to work in terms of, of theme and um, mood. You want to set appropriate narrative and system challenges that work in tandem. You've got a character who has like how, is really good at sciencing or whatever. Mm-hmm. Well, then the the and they want to I don't know. Let's pick something cliche. They want to resurrect their dead wife. Well, then 
they're probably going to want to use science to resurrect their dead wife. If those are the big kind of things that are jumping out to you, they've got lots of dots or points in science or they've got a big science power and they've got a big narrative arc about like their, their wife coming back from the dead. They're, they're, you've got to have them try science to resurrect their, their dead wife. They'll probably come up with that, but if they don't, then that's for you to, to yeah, and, and if you try and decision. If you try and steer them into you know, financial problems or something uh, 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 of setting up their their lab, they're going to be a little bit off kilter because they're not. Yes. It's not what they're expecting to do or use. Um, yeah. You can't have them cl- uh, clear out their lab w- with a gun if they don't know how to use a gun because that's, yeah, it's, it's unfair yeah, yeah. to if you the attack the, put, If you attack yeah. their lab with, with, you know, special forces troops, they're just going to, they're going to feel like you hate them and, and you're just trying to get them to fail. Yeah, that's another thing that you can do is you can put like you can also you're not behest like you're not beholden to your players. Mm. Um, if they um, want to tell a story or like I'm the best, um, let's say it keeps with science. I'm the best scientist in the world. You can say no to that. You you have that. That's one of the most powerful things DM has mm. is is the word no. Um, you use the word. What do you use the phrase? You use no but. I think it is. Yes. Do you, you, no but. No, but yeah, it's it's you know the op- the opposite of the yes and. Uh, yes and can get you in a bit of trouble as a DM sometimes. Uh, let let kind of powerful personalities run away with the game slightly. Saying no, but is is good um, because it it lets it lets the person feel acknowledged, um, but keeps the narrative kind of under your control and, and kind of tight because you're the one with the big picture, right? Your player doesn't necessarily know what everything that's happening and how it ties together and what the other players want as well. Whereas you as the DM have that, you're kind of juggling that and keeping it all in the air. And the player might not know that, that what they want kind of interferes with what another player wants from their game as well, which is, it can be stressful and difficult, but that is the, the kind of the satisfaction of being a DM is, is managing those concerns um, effectively and to keep yes. everyone happy. And I also think mechanically it's a really good way of approaching skill checks as well. Uh, we're talking about, you know, what skills do they want to use and how do you build in those challenges? If you have someone fail a skill check, um, you, rather than just go, no, stop, that's over, you lose. Yes. You say, ah, but, mm, but this happens such that, you know... Uh, the one that comes to mind is uh, the example I always use is you, I'm, I'm trying to, to pick this lock um, before um, security arrive. And if you fail that, you don't just go, no. You go, yes, you pick the lock, but security get there and find you padlock in hand. Now what do you do? And, and so I, I find that's much, that's a really useful tool for keeping the narrative in your hand and be, but still being able to say no to things um, and being able to shape shape the narrative uh, and without getting kind of derailed by bad roles, for instance. Just as a quick last question before we, um, yes. before we wrap so up. So I was then. rambling there. No, no, it's all good. It's good to hear. I think this is, you know, it's really important for DMs to talk amongst each other. Yeah. Because it can be a solo pursuit. That's it can true. It yeah. sol- can be a solitary thing. Um, what was your, um, what were you most excited by in Vampire? Or what are you anticipating people um, finding out about Vampire? So I think there's going to be two. There's going to be two threads, and you've you've mentioned this to me. Is like there. There's going to be people who are like deep in the lore, who are are gonna 
just have so much fun with the dramatic irony of knowing everything that's happening and us knowing nothing. Um, but what I'm really excited is people to come on the same journey that I went on, which is just b- being terrified of everything because I don't know what anything is or what the implications of anything are um, and coming along with us on this kind of tense, uh, nerve wracking ride um, because I want someone else to feel it as well. <laughs> It's like a roller coaster. Yeah, it really it's was. Like a, it's, it really was. It's a scary house. Yeah, there were it's actually like a, some really yeah. great. There's some really great moments coming up. I'm, I'm really excited for people to hear Vampire as well. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I think you should be super proud of, of what you've oh, done. Thanks, uh, not to you know wank each other off too much, but but I th- I think it's really special what you what you did. So um, I, I'm just really keen for people to um, to hear it and see what they say. Uh, and I'm how super they proud of you for oh, making Cyberpunk happen. Thanks, it's fantastic. Man. Thanks. Aww. It feels. Thanks, it feels. Man. It does feel like a bit of an apotheosis of, of, of being a DM is to is to put your work out f- for the the general audience to hear. You know, it's one thing to do it once a week. You know, while eating takeout with your mates, but to to put it out there is is feel, feels. It's pretty nerve wracking, but it, very satisfying as well. I'm looking up the word apotheosis. Um, <laughs> and I agree with yes. you. Um, do you want to no, explain to, to, to people who are struggling also the, what apotheosis the, the is? The crowning moment, the yes. height of achievement. Yes. Um, no, I think, I think it's a great thing to do. Um, I think there's some people who are just who are going to be happy doing it at home and um, who enjoy what we did. And, you know, we won't wank on much more. We, we know you want to get to the next episode of Rollcast. Yes. Um, but thank you to everyone who's listened. Yep. Um, thank you to everyone who's been uh, listening and following along. Um, send us emails about what games you want us to play. Um, if you want us to play Cyberpunk Red, um, send us emails. If you want us to play, we probably won't play Cyberpunk 2020 again necessarily. Probably, but we'll probably not. Take, but we might do Cyberpunk Red with characters from Cyberpunk 2020. Mm. So um, let us know if that excites you. Because um, it's set 25 years in the future, Cyberpunk Red, um, 2047, 45. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, send us games that you want us to play. Um, if you want us to go back to games, um, let us know. Uh, if you want us to do more of it, um, the way to do that is to um, follow us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, follow us on Instagram, because it lets us know that there are lots of people listening uh, and and tell other people about it as well. Um, there's and we're more likely... Um, to make more of it if the people yeah. out there want it you know um and and if you get to if you have more questions in this vein and you want to know about the nuts and bolts of dming uh next kind of in between season we'll we'll have another chat and we'll answer some of those questions for you as well absolutely if um there's been chats about us doing a patreon if that's something that you might think about supporting let us know we're not gonna we're not gonna chuck out a patreon um and hope people trickle in we'll do it if there's um a groundswell of support so if you want to if you think about supporting us if if that's something that you would be like yeah i want them to do cyberpunk 2020 again and i would spend ten dollars a month (laughs) to make that happen um let us know let us us know let us know we don't know what's in your head so yeah let us know um share us around um and thank you for listening. Thank it's, you so much. It's, it's Yeah, we really appreciate it. It's really humbling. Thank you. Um, you know what? Actually, this was something I was going to say earlier. Um, the people who share it without us having to tell people to share it is like <laughs> one of the most gratifying things in the world. Yeah. It's just like, hey, you like what we do and you want to tell other people. 
Thank you. Yeah, Thanks. it makes it all worthwhile. It really does. It really does. Um, so I've been Phil, and uh, we'll catch you, catch you next season. I've been Chris. Catch you later. Uh, uh, in two or three episodes, it'll be vampire time. So uh, I'll see you in the world of darkness. <laughs> Bye. You have been listening to Going Mainstream, which is a Roll to Cast production. The best way to find us is on Twitter, Discord, and our Patreon. All our podcasts are on Acast, Spotify, YouTube, and all good podcatchers. You can support us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Roll to Cast. Cyberpunk 2020 and all associated properties are trademark of our Telsorian games. Used with permission. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.